Alhamdulillahi wa kafa Wassalamun ala ibadihi alladhina sifa Amma ba'd Fa'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Walladhina jahadu fina Lanahdiyannahum subulana Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yusifun Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad Wa ala ali sayyidina muhammad Wa barik wa sallam اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم we began our discussion with a mention of the fact that each person's heart is like a soil and Tzedkia of the heart involves purifying that soil in order to prepare it to plant the love of Allah and the tree of our deen. We also mentioned that there were multiple layers of tzedkia, the greatest of which is purification or removal of shirk and kufr, which occurs via the kalima, but also other layers that we have to be aware of, including purification from sin, purification from diseases of the heart, purification from bad manners, bad character, bad etiquette, and eventually everything other than Allah. And one of the major mechanisms by which this purification occurs is the dhikr of Allah. As we mentioned yesterday, everything has a polish, and the dhikr of Allah is the polish of the heart. Now this dhikr of Allah provides two benefits. Number one, it helps to purify the heart. But number two, it helps to expand the heart. And when it expands the heart, it opens the heart to the reality of what we perceive. Meaning, as I mentioned yesterday, we as human beings have a tendency to focus on what's immediately in front of us. However, if we were, if our wisdom were to be expanded and our hearts were to be expanded, we, be, we would be able to see that there's something beyond that pixel and instead we would see the bigger picture. For example, just a very simple, simple example. I may have a desire to perform sin A. Just a sin. There's a sin in front of me. There's an opportunity. If the person sees the opportunity of the sin and is fixated on the opportunity of the sin, for example, they have an opportunity to interact with a ghair mahram, okay, it might look theoretically appealing at that moment, but that's a pixel. The bigger picture is that this is going to cause major headaches in my life in this world and it's going to break my connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and disrupt my entire picture. So lots of times when a person is sinning, the reason they sin is because at the moment they can't see the picture, they only see the pixel. And what happens with the dhikr of Allah is that as the heart expands and as a person becomes more cognizant of Allah, they begin to focus much more on the picture and they lose sight of the pixel. And again, like I mentioned yesterday, so much of deen is just this. Meaning, why would I choose to pursue this world if I saw the picture of the hereafter? 
why would I choose to pursue this sin if I saw the picture of the detriment that it was going to cause me in this life and the next? Why would I choose to um, pursue myself if I knew that all praise is only due to Allah? Right? This is the reality, which is that if I'm running around trying to call people's attention to me, then what I've really done is I've lost sight for a minute of the fact that actually only Allah is great, Allahu Akbar. So you'll see that the deen constantly tries to expand the horizon, and we, our nafs, constantly tries to restrict and try to just look at that single interaction. So this is one of the great benefits of the dhikr of Allah in that not only does it purify, it's like literally like a rag where you're detailing every corner, but it also expands the horizon of the person, and as they expand and see the picture, they're much more likely to not get caught up in any one pixel. I mean, subhanAllah, this is what the whole Qur'an is. Right? The Qur'an reminds you to look at A, B, and C. Right? Look at the sun, look at the stars, look at the moon. Now, what is it doing? When you, when, when you have your attention, when you, when you normally have your attention, it's hyper-fixated on me. Right? So I'm living in this world where I'm looking at the mirror and thinking about myself. Now I'm being commanded, drag your focus and look up at the stars. Look at the sun. Look at the moon. Look at the ground. Look at the plants. Every time I do that, I'm losing the pixel and I'm expanding the picture. And all the stories of the people of the past, all of the realities that exist, they all funnel into this. They all funnel into this. What is the Qur'an except just a big funnel that takes a bunch of pixels and appropriately pastes them in the picture of La ilaha illallah? The Qur'an will describe A, B, or C and then say, وَكُنَّا فَاعِلِينَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ وَلِلَّهِ الْحَمْدُ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ etc., etc. We're constantly being reminded of a much greater reality. If I'm caught up in the pixel of my 60-year life, I should realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was there, is the beginning and the end. There is no beginning, there is no end, right? So this notion of the dhikr of Allah, it's very expansive. It literally expands the chest. It literally expands the, um, the understanding of a person. And the dhikr of Allah, the more a person does the dhikr of Allah, the more they come into that balance of reality versus circumstance. Circumstances will trip us up. I may pursue something. Eventually, it's very clear to me outside of the moment that I shouldn't have pursued it, but the only way that I'm going to be able to win that battle there is by remembering Allah. So we're actually continuously remembering Allah. Now, what dhikr? Any dhikr. Anything that returns us back to focus of what's reality. It could be la ilaha illallah. could be subhanallah. It could be alhamdulillah. It could be the name of Allah. It could be any of the adhkar. And when we think about dhikr, there's different layers. So there's the adhkar that, well, first of all, the highest level of dhikr is the Qur'an. It's a type of dhikr. So this is very, very high level of dhikr. And you'll see the Qur'an is very expansive. Very expansive. It broadens the reality, you know. It teaches people to get out of themselves and to appreciate that everything is from Allah. I mean, the first line tells you, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. It's like right there, right there you're blown away. You know, all praise is due to Allah, Lord of the whole expansive universe. The worlds, Lord of the worlds. So look, at, look, look how, that's the power of the Qur'an. 
See, in a second, you're, you, I mean, you're sitting there, you're hyper-fixated on a single point in time, on a single person in that point in time, right? Which is a very, very, very narrow focus. And the Quran just rips it and expands it very, very quickly. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. It's like, boom. SubhanAllah. Right? I mean, it just completely resets you. And then you get the understanding that this entire universe is, is painted with what? Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. And if you're focused on this life, Maliki Yawmiddin. He's the master of the Day of Judgment, which this life is just a pixel. The Day of Judgment is actually the picture, right? And then what are you left with? I give up. <laughs> I got nothing. Not me. Not my pursuits. Not this world. There's nothing. You alone do we worship. There's no one else that we can seek assistance from. You alone do we seek assistance from. Look how rapidly Surah Fatiha blows open reality and then puts you in the circumstance. And you're left in this, I mean, just close your eyes and imagine, you're left in this like massive expanse. There's only Allah, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin. I got no conclusion but, It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And we're constantly making that dhikr. Every time we pray, we're repeating the same thing. I mean, this is the same thing we're going to be repeating, again, like I said, from the age of three all the way until the age of 93 if we live that long. This is continuously being recited. So every time we come to pray, you know, we literally do Allahu Akbar, discount the entire world around us, right? Bind our hands, and we begin with this. So this is the greatest type of dhikr. It's just occurring in the salah. It's occurring in the Quran we recite. It's occurring in all the tasbihat that we make immediately after the salah. It's occurring, it's, it's occurring in all of the dua that the Prophet ﷺ taught. We should embed all those into our life. And the way I think about those duas, I kind of vaguely mentioned yesterday, is that they're just little, little nodal points that once energized, they just connect the entire day. I mean, when I wake up, I say this. When I make wudu, I say this. When I... When I finish wudu, I say this. When I enter the bathroom, I say this. When I leave the house, I say this. When I go to the masjid, I say that. When I go back to the house, I say this. When I, every single major event, nodal point of the day, gets energized, and that then creates like this continuity of the circle of dhikr that's occurring 24-7 in my life. So from every dimension, we're constantly having this interplay. We're constantly having this interplay. Now, Fine. I mean, if we're blind to it and we're just sitting here and just we're saying, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Rabbil you know, I mean, we don't even know what we're saying. Uh, it needs to be conscious. We need to be conscious and conscientious of what's going on. And this will then create, number one, purity of the heart, because this washes away and is a polish for the heart. But number two, can you imagine the difference of planting your seed in a tiny heart versus planting your seed in an expanded field? When you expand that field through the dhikr of Allah, can you imagine just what gets planted in there? Now you're planting the tree of Islam and you're growing the gardens of the gardens of Jannah. The gardens of the gardens of Jannah. So you've got this little area, you call it salawat, you plant your seeds there every day. You've got this little area, you know, you call it tasbihat, you plant your seeds there over there. You've got tahdil, you plant some seeds there every day. All of this is a dhikr. And then the beauty of it, as this expansion occurs, then and this field now contains so much space, when you sit in the company of a scholar and the scholar shares wisdom, that wisdom gets embedded in the heart and becomes 
absolutely second nature to the person. Absolutely second nature to the person. And you sit in the company of the people reciting Qur'an, or you sit in the circles of Qur'an, and you start learning the meanings and the understanding of the Qur'an, that also becomes second nature to the person. All these things get planted, and you begin to see the effects in your life. So, again, the first step, purify the field. And part of that is going to be conscientiously understanding the things that are damaging and making every effect to remove them. And I can tell you that, subhanAllah, this gathering is the pinnacle of that. This gathering is the pinnacle of that because the vast majority of things that would have impurified the heart are not even available. You know, you, to reach this level is almost impossible in any other circumstance. You would have to have disconnected yourself from the world. I mean, when are you going to have the additive effect of fasting plus being in the masjid, plus making all your prayers, um, plus not being able to interact with the outside world? Even if you wanted to leave for five minutes, you wouldn't think about doing it when you're here. Every other circumstance, you'd be like, well, let me just go out for a little bit, no big deal. This gathering is the once-in-a-lifetime unique, unique opportunity to be able to reset the heart. And it's in that field now that you want to be able to plant all this different type of dhikr of Allah that's going to expand you, and that's what's been happening while we're here. I mean, hopefully you've noticed that I'm not thinking about myself anymore. I'm thinking about much greater realities. I'm not hyper-fixated on what I want or what I want to do. In fact, honestly, my whole life has disappeared. It's funny. You know, what was the most important thing to me when I first came in those doors has completely disappeared. It's as if maybe it doesn't exist, although I know in the back of my mind there's like a life waiting for me. But honestly, it's just almost secondary from another, from another dimension. How does that happen? That happens because of that expanse. You begin to see what's real. You realize that, wait a minute, even though I've got a life, everybody in that life is temporary. Fine, I have responsibilities. I have to return to them. But look at the power of the dhikr, even as you sit here in this type of gathering. Everything gets reset. While many of the sins that people enjoy, they don't even think about while they're here. What, 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 like it's, it's as if it doesn't even exist for the first time in our lives. We become free from them. So the power of, this, of a dhikr is extremely expansive. Now, as a person attains that state, then they need to also remember that the second way by which the heart is purified is through istighfar. And I shared with you uh, the quote of uh, Ibn al-Qayyim, uh, who mentioned that the two um, polishes of the heart. In the context of this uh, statement, which I shared earlier, which is that dhikr is the polish of the heart, he mentions that there's two polishes of the heart. Two polishes of the heart. Number one is uh, istighfar, and number two is dhikr. So istighfar is also a polish of the heart, and that we also learn from hadith, because all of you are aware that when a person makes a mistake, a black dot occurs and arises. When a person makes another mistake, another black dot arises. When a person makes another mistake, another black dot arises, until the heart becomes sealed. Right? When the heart becomes sealed, two things happen. Number one, all the plants can no longer exist. But even worse, it gets constricted. And when it gets constricted, now you only see the pixel. The only thing you see is the pixel. You become this arrogant, difficult person who can't see anything beyond themselves. You can't even see beyond yourself. It's just me, me, me. These are my rights. These are my things. How dare you treat me that way? You just become very rotten and constricted. So we, don't, we never want the black, dots of our, uh, the black dots that could potentially arise in the heart to ever have that effect upon us. So another major responsibility in your development and maintenance of your spiritual states is to constantly make a stukfar. Constantly make a stukfar. Now, 
Istighfar can occur in two ways. One is, you know, I tell you do, like the Prophet Islam mentioned, that sometimes I feel like a vagueness over my heart. Sometimes I feel like a vagueness over my heart. So I regularly make istighfar. Now, that vagueness that the Prophet is describing, we can't even comprehend it. It's, it, it's something that, honestly, if we were even able to achieve anything like that, it would be phenomenal. It's not even possible for us to achieve that. It's very subtle. It's a very, very subtle uh, description of what he's sharing. But in essence, more importantly, it's a lesson for all of us that we need to continuously keep this heart pure. And invariably, as we interact with the world, there are going to be impurities that arise. I mean, no one in this room can say that, if, uh, that they don't need to wash their clothes ever. Everybody needs to wash their clothes. They're human beings. They go out in the world, no matter how much they try to preserve their clothing, no matter how careful they are about not spilling ketchup on their shirt, for example, they still need to wash their clothing. So in the same way, no matter how careful we are, just by the nature of being human and by in, in interacting in a human environment, there will be mistakes that occur. And as we make those mistakes, it's very important to detail each one and remove it. Now, how does that occur? By making istighfar. How frequently? Ideally, at some cadence that suits your circumstance. And everybody in this room is different. What's the ideal? So traditionally, the scholars of tasawwuf would say, uh, you should make 100 istighfar in the morning and 100 istighfar in the evening. That's one way to do it. Um, another way that I found to be useful, particularly after working with people and speaking with them about the difficulties that they face and sitting for long enough to do 100 in the morning and 100 in the evening, honestly, nobody has that kind of patience anymore, unfortunately. So maybe another way to consider it is to do 10 istighfar after every prayer. You know, you pray Fajr, and then take a moment to do 10 istighfar. You pray Dhuhr, Take a moment to do ten istighfar, etc. After each prayer, when we make these istighfar, it should not be haphazard and without focus. Meaning, it's not astaghfirullah, 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 astaghfirullah. As fast as I can, I did ten. Alhamdulillah, check it off the box. I'm done. No, it should be a pass. It should be an active action, not passive. Active. Active means that okay, it's dhuhr. The last time I made istighfar was in Fajr. So from Fajr to Dhuhr, let me run my life. Let me run my life. Uh, I was driving to work, all those crazy billboards everywhere. I saw, I, I saw something I shouldn't have seen. Stuck for Allah, stuck for Allah, stuck for Allah. As I was leaving the house, kids were screaming. I was getting stressed. I was late. I couldn't find my keys. I behaved in a manner that I shouldn't have behaved in. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. Like actively edit your heart. And by the way, we do this for everything. I mean, which one of you uh, turned in a college application without reading it 20 times and not only reading it, but having somebody else read it as well? Which one of you would send an important email without triple reading it? Which one of you, um, you know, writes an essay for a class where you're trying to get a good grade and doesn't read it more than once, just to make sure that there aren't any errors. We all edit. We all edit everything before we turn it in. We all edit something that's important to us. Well, isn't our book of deeds important to us? Isn't what's written upon our heart important to us? Bilawla, even more so. Even more so, it's important to us. So when we go through our day, we should pause. Pause at points, whether that's 100 in the morning or 100 in the evening, or at the five daily prayers, and just Make istighfar. Ask Allah to forgive us for the mistakes that we make and wipe away the effects of the sin. Now, it's important because 
one sin becomes two, and two becomes four, and four becomes eight, and eight becomes 16. So if you let two gather, four are going to come very quickly. And when four gather, eight are going to show up just as fast. So you want to nip this thing in the bud, right? You want to, you see a black dot, you quickly erase it. You see another black dot, you quickly erase it. You don't want one black dot to become the nidus for the next two, and then two become the nidus for the next four, and four become the nidus for the next eight. So the, the beauty of the istighfar is that it helps to preserve the field as you're expanding it. So there's two things happening at the same time. You're expanding the field, and you're detailing the field as you expand it which creates this amazing opportunity to be able to gain all of these barakat, foyudat, experiences that are part of the deen. And this was the Sahaba. SubhanAllah, the Sahaba were so quick, so quick, meaning they took shahada. It was the complete, absolute purification for them. And boom, they're in the company of the Prophet on them. They get this rapid expansion and deen comes into their life and they become models of deen such that we stand on their shoulders 1,400 years later. 1,400 years later, we're still standing on their shoulders. That's how quickly they developed and how keen they were in the way in which they advanced themselves. So again, reminder that very important to consistently make dhikr and to tie the world into that dhikr. We should, in every state, like the Prophet was in every state making dhikr, when he stood, when he sat, when he was on his side, when he was in the house, when he was outside of the house, when he was in the masjid, when he was interacting with people, just a constant conscientiousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Always recognizing the picture instead of the pixel. And that then creates that field which allows for us to be able to experience our Islam. When a person experiences Islam, nothing compares. You cannot compare. In fact, the only thing that drives a person at that point they look for every opportunity to do as much good as possible. And if, perchance, they do something wrong, the loss of that experience will never let them rest until they make Tawbah fall. They just will not be able to rest because nothing else tastes like that. You can't replace it. You could get caught up in a pixel for a minute. Maybe there's a pixel of a, a interaction with a ghayr mahram or there's a pixel of eating something or there's a pixel of taking someone's attention towards me for a moment, but when would that pixel ever compare to the picture? How could the taste of one pixel ever compare with an infinitely expansive picture? It's not possible. It can never win. There's nothing in this world that could ever satiate, even for a millisecond, aside from when we're caught up in the moment, that could ever satiate what the entire picture provides. There's no pixel that can ever, ever replace the picture, correct? I mean, a pixel is just one one billionth or one one trillionth of a whole picture. Even if I get caught up in a pixel, I still can never gain the experience of the picture. And the picture has been painted for me, la ilaha illallah. So that's the beauty, right? It, when a person gets to that state, then even the sins, it's so quick, to, a person becomes so quick to make tawbah, a person becomes so quick to make istighfar. And of course, they exist in another reality. Now, what does that mean? They exist in another reality. They're not flying around, but essentially what that means is that they, you're talking, they're talking, but your heart is completely someplace else. Your heart and mind is completely someplace else. So it means that your decisions are completely different. Person saying something to you, any other person would blow up. You're sitting connected with Allah. You don't respond. It's a completely different game, right? I mean, two people apparently look to be the same. One person is 
constrained with it and locked within themselves in speaking. Another person is expanded and is connected with Allah and is speaking. Of course, you're going to see a massive difference in between those two people. Maybe not out outwardly, but in their behavior. So the ultimate manifestation of seeing the picture versus the pixel becomes what? Becomes the character of the individual. When a person behaves knowing that Allah is watching them. This is called ihsan, right? Knowing that Allah is watching me at every single moment. Right? It's as if I can see Allah because I'm seeing the picture. Right? Now, of course, we don't see Allah, but as, as if I appreciate Allah because I'm seeing the picture, or at least I recognize that the picture is there, meaning he's seeing me, then now every, every one of my behaviors becomes conscious of that. My salam is embedded with the love of Allah. My salah is embedded with the opportunity to be able to engage Allah. My um, interaction with each person is with that same love, whether they be uh, Muslim or non-Muslim. It's a totally different existence. And when you read the lives of the Sahaba, believe me, they weren't like reading manuals about how they're supposed to live their life and then reminding themselves to live that way. They were experiencing this. You can't live the way that they lived except that there's a greater reality than yourself. It's not some book that you just read and all of a sudden you live that way. They didn't go to some seminar and all of a sudden they lived that way. They, they experienced this thing. It wasn't like an academic function in their mind that they had to constantly tell their heart what they're supposed to do. They experienced this thing. They sought every opportunity to be able to please Allah, and they ran from every opportunity that would potentially constrict them or could displease Allah. And the moment per chance that such thing would occur that would disconnect them, it would create such a void, such a void in them, that they would feel as if they lost the world. You know, the same feeling that we have if someone rips us off $1,000, you know, you think about it for three days, right? You can't, you, you know, every, every, no matter what you do, that taste sits in your mouth. Imagine if it was that case, but in the akhirah or the deen, you know, any opportunity lost to them was something that they could, they could not tolerate. They would not tolerate. But what does it come with? It comes from the experience of the deen. It doesn't come from the academics of the deen. It doesn't come from me thinking it's supposed to be that way. It doesn't come because somebody told me it's supposed to be that way. It comes because I experienced deen that way. Honestly, this is the challenge of our time. And it's only become harder. I mean, why are people frustrated with the deen? And you, know, you see a subset of people, they're frustrated with the deen because they don't experience the deen. How could it be that you can tell me that any pixel tastes greater than the whole picture? How could it be? How could it be that any pixel would ever taste greater than the whole picture? How could it be that any pixel would ever provide a greater satisfaction than the whole picture? How could it be that anyone would ever think that there's gain in a pixel when they have the picture? It's just because they're lost in this academic understanding of what the deen is supposed to be, but they have yet to taste its realities, so it frustrates them and they begin to try to think, I should pursue this, I should pursue that. Maybe my understanding of the world is not real, but that's only because they're caught up in a pixel. They haven't seen the picture. If they saw the picture, there would be no question in their mind. And this is over and over again, the Prophet is teaching us to expand, expand, expand. Look, when you've got something in front of you, don't see the pixel, see the picture. This thing in front of you can be consumed by you, but that's the pixel. Or it can be given to somebody else, and it will last for you in this life and the next. That's the picture. Every single interaction in Islam can be just seen in the same way. But it's not going to become apparent until the, person's has ex the person has expanded their own horizon. And that comes through the purification of the heart. So these are things that we should 
create a routine surrounding. Now, does that mean we're going to 24-7 be doing Vicar all day? No, we have lives to live. We'll talk about that tomorrow. That's going to be the final talk, inshallah. We have lives to live. And um, there's a time for this and there's a time for that. So, of course, everything is going to be in balance. But we do need to have in our life a place where we can come and we can see the bigger picture. You do need that in your life, a place where you can come and you can see the bigger picture. And it's important to then come into those environments, allow yourself to expand in that environment, and then take the benefit of that environment and use that to effectuate change in the world around you. So khair, the point remains, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with this heart, and we have the opportunity to keep it pure, purify it, expand its field, and return it back to Allah on the Day of Judgment in exchange for a reward. That expansion occurs by tezkiyah. The Prophet was sent with core missions, one of which was tezkiyah. Tezkiyah has its layers. The more we focus on those, the more we purify the heart. As we purify the heart, we continue to purify it through dhikr, and dhikr purifies it both by number one, just inherently, it's a polish, and number two, it expands our horizons. And when we expand our horizons, that makes it much easier to, avo to avoid the things that can disrupt our tezkiyah, like sin, like the bad characteristics, the diseases of the heart, etc. So this is a summary. We have one more lecture. And I'm not saying this is all inclusive. This is like my little scientific professor summary of how you can sort of view sort of spiritual development in the heart and tezkiah as a whole. So again, because we're so academic in this day and age, honestly, the, you don't even need to give this lecture. You just need to sit and do this, and then hopefully it would become evidently clear. But given that time, times and place in which we live, it doesn't hurt to have a paradigm in our minds. So that when we're, if we're ever caught along the way, we've got a little manual in the back of our pocket where we can go back and look and say, wait a minute, why am I experiencing this deficiency? Why is there this defect in me? How can I improve? How can I change? So everybody in this room should appreciate their heart. Everyone in this room should work towards its tezkiya. Everyone should recognize that they should polish it and that in that process, by putting themselves in good environments, they'll be able to take the maximum benefit. Honestly, I don't need to give a lecture to you guys to come to the masjid as much as you need to because inshallah you will. You're sitting here. I don't need to give a lecture that you should sit in the company of the scholars and listen to their wisdom. You're probably already doing that. That's, that layer is already there. I just need to help you to understand what's underneath it. Because if all that, was, that is underneath it is set, the next time you go to the masjid, you hear the adhan, you hear the Quran, it'll plant in that heart if it's pure. You hear a lecture, somebody, read, somebody uh, explains a hadith or a simple principle in the deen, it's not just in, the, in one ear, out the other, but it's in one ear and it pegs into my heart and begins to grow. So that layer is generally present in the community. That layer is generally present amongst all of us. What, where the problem lies is the underlayer, that field, is often lacking. So we hear this and it just hits the heart, ricochets off and goes out the other ear. We hear the same thing 500 times across our life and it's in, out, you know, in, hits, bounces, out, because there's a seal. And we ourselves are sitting and praying and often we're not focused. We don't experience the salah. We're not experiencing the deen the way that it's supposed to be experienced. And that leads to lots of turmoil in the heart of a person. Lots of turmoil. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are able to keep our hearts pure. May he make us amongst those who are able to see reality for what it is. May he make us amongst those who are able to seek forgiveness for our mistakes. May he make us amongst those who are able to present 
قلب سليم عن دليل الجزمة وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين